An advocate of the circular economy for the past 15 years, Elaine Burks Mitchell is the CEO and founder of the Bra Recyclers, a social enterprise dedicated to recycling and reusing pre-loved bras, prosthesis, and underwear. In partnership with other environmentally and socially conscious individuals and companies, Elaine has donated over 4 million bras to over 130 nonprofits in 29 states and 8 countries. In alignment with the UN Sustainable Development Goals, Elaine continues to be a steward of the social and environmental impacts of recycling on communities. She believes that we all have the power to change the trajectory of the circular economy using our voices and buying power. As a social entrepreneur, it was important to create job opportunities for underserved members of our community. Elaine's mission led her to form partnerships with local nonprofits dedicated to finding meaningful employment opportunities for individuals with disabilities. The next chapter of Elaine's social entrepreneur journey has been the launch of the Undie Chest, the nonprofit arm of the Bra Recyclers. It will focus on addressing the issues of hygiene poverty with the donation of underwear to support the entire family and get the much needed supply of underwear into our Title I schools. Well, Elaine, we're just so excited to have you here on the podcast today. And uh, as we get going, we're recording in late October. October is Bra Recycling Month, which I didn't know was a thing. So excited to learn about that. And also, November, you are focusing on Men's Health Awareness Month. As we get started, you know, I'm very curious to know how bras and men's health might like come together. <laughs> That is a great question. <laughs> I haven't had to ask that way, but that's a great question. So October is something that uh, we've always kind of identified as a month we want to celebrate um, women who are have experienced or survivors of domestic violence because uh, it's Domestic Violence Awareness Month, but also it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And I think most people know that. Yeah, my mother-in-law, you know, and, and so many women in my life are definitely bringing that to a the world's attention during this time. Absolutely. So we wanted to kind of say, okay, what could we do during this time? And that's kind of, we've tagged it as Bra Recycling Month, and we've been doing that for over 10 years. And, you know, really kind of bringing awareness to uh, these issues, you know, honoring, being able to honor and celebrate our survivors of both breast cancer, but also domestic violence awareness. And so it's, it's you know, we always get a great response from people like, okay, time to clean out those drawers and really, you know, let's support these ladies who need something as simple as a bra. And I think uh, particularly with breast cancer awareness, most people aren't aware that a lot of ladies don't have insurance. And so the mastectomy bras or the prosthesis that they need, many of them can't afford. So, you know, we really encourage people and also retailers to say, hey, if you have things in overstock, or they're gently used or new, they're sitting in your drawers, we want you during this month, well, all, all during the year, but particularly during this month to uh, recycle those. So that that's kind of what uh, October's about. And then we have the men. We we got to give the men a chance. <laughs> give, give the men a chance, but also, like, I obviously, like, I hear all that, and I hear the time of yeah. year. I'm thinking yeah. about the holiday season. 
You know, Absolutely. so speak to both of those things as well. Absolutely. So during, you know, it's it's been real interesting over the last, well, I say 10 plus years, we've always really focused on, you know, women and girls. But what we were finding is that, you know, we really needed to expand our outreach because many of the women that we deal with, particularly ones in shelters or transitional programs, you know, they have sons, they have a partner or a husband. And, you know, we're providing bras and underwear to them, but not to the men. And that we're like, we've got to do something about that because we always get that request. And I think, you know, kind of one of those aha moments that I had is when we did an event and we had um, taken underwear out to an event. It was on the street um, here in the Phoenix area. And, you know, we had men coming up to our table, I mean, looking for underwear. And they were willing to take the women's underwear. They just wanted something. I mean, they just wanted to have clean underwear. And we're like, oh my goodness. You know, of course we let them have it, whatever. If you if you need this, we'll let you have that. So we're like, we really need to shift and open our focus to bring in um, those resources that men need too. So uh, November is... Um, National Men's Health Awareness Month. And so we want to bring light to the things that men are going through also. And, you know, since, you know, women, we tend to help you guys. We're, we're your nurturers and we want to look out for you. We want to make sure we're educating women, too, about the health needs for men. And the fact that, again, underwear is a big part of uh, what men need to feel, you know, um, to restore their dignity and their self-esteem as they're getting back into being more self-sufficient. So we're we're starting to bring light to that, and we're, yeah, this will be an annual thing that we do too. That's so awesome, and I think um, like underwear, it's just like a kind of a basic need that you so easily take for granted. So it's just really just to hear you talk about it and to talk about what a great need there is. Absolutely. It's really, yeah, it's really wild to hear because it's yeah, again, so easy to just take for granted as part of your day to day. Yeah. Well, we don't think, you know, we don't think about it. We don't think about it. And it's so interesting because when I, when I tell people what I do first, they're like, they do that, you know, what? What is it? <laughs> Spell that. I'm like, B-R-A-S. They're like, and then I've had some people ask me, you mean for the car, the front of the car? I'm like, no. <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> What's your wear? And, you know, it's just, I think, because we're all so privilege we'll say that we're so privileged yeah, we, we just we take for granted that we have clean underwear every single day and yeah. I think that's something we don't think about and you know what's really um this past year here we've also expanded to work with our schools so mm. this is another area that so many of us um are not aware of and again, as a social entrepreneur, you know, we look for those issues or opportunities and we try to hopefully figure out how we can solve those using entrepreneurial principles. And so we were approached. Uh, I was approached by a teacher who had reached out to me to say, hey, I have this student who, you know, she was sixth grade and she was in desperate need of a bra because she was being bullied and teased. Right. And, you know, it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, that's this horrible, you know, mom, of course, couldn't afford anything, but she was like very large for her size, like a 44G. Right. And so at the time, we weren't really working with schools. Uh, it's because it's a whole nother thing to work with schools um, in terms of the privacy issues and a lot of things that go along with it. And of course, I was like, oh, my God. Well, yes, we're going to help her, of course. And so we sent, you know, bras to her. But that was kind of another, again, one of those aha moments for me. 
to say, okay, you know, we need to start early on um, helping these, not just women and girls, but men and boys too, or, you know, as they're young and get them those essential things that we know are going to make them feel good about themselves and have good experiences, for example, like in schools. So we've partnered up with the School Nurses Association here in Phoenix. And right now we support about seven Title I schools. And our goal for 24 is to support about 12 uh, schools, um, Title I schools. Because, again, it's something that I think we're not all talking about. And it's happening right in your backyard. Yeah, You know, there are probably people that in your kids' schools or schools you went to that are, are suffering. They don't have the underwear. And we're just we're not talking about that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's amazing to just hear about the different ways that you're meeting this very critical need in these different communities for these different age groups. And um, yeah, it's just really awesome. So I'd love to hear a little more about what is your story? Like, how did you first get involved in social enterprise in general, but then also this issue specifically? Absolutely. And I, you know, I always love to share this because, you know, this whole social enterprise model for me or so being a social entrepreneur, was something that, you know, I kind of, I fell upon. I knew, um, for me, with the bra recyclers, when we started it, I knew that there was this need of women and girls, you know, in the, in, uh, shelters and transitional programs that I wanted to help. I knew that bras was something that they weren't receiving on a regular basis or at all for many of these programs. And I knew this was a big need for girls and women. And so I'm like, okay, I know I, again, I cleaned out my drawer and I'm like, I know other people have, you know, women have uh, underwear in their drawer that they're just not using. Of course, you know, we buy, we don't try on, and then it just sits in our drawer. So I, I, I know you're uh, so not true. you though. I know not you. Though, not, <laughs> no, no, not me. Not, not, not you. Not you. Um, so you know, for me, it was like that was again that kind of prompting to say, you know, what can I do about that? Because again, as you know, you decide, you see a problem, either hope someone else does something about it, or you do something about it. And so in this particular case, I wanted to. Um, so I started my background. Just so you guys know, I came out of the corporate world. Uh, I came out of IT as a project manager, primarily in software development. So. I'm always looking at systematically how I can do things or how to use systems to uh, help me. So I said, okay, let me throw up a little web page and let's see if I, what reaction I get from women to say, you know, what are you doing with your old bras? And I, like I said, I was shocked at the reaction I got because they're like, well, they're just sitting in my drawer or I'm throwing them out. And I'm like, Oof. so I'm like, okay, there's something here. So that kind of, again, intrigued me. And I'm like, okay, we have this problem. Now I got to figure out how I'm going to solve it. And I'm just going to be real honest, you guys. I didn't really want to do a nonprofit. Um, there was just so much I knew that went into starting a nonprofit. And I didn't want to go that route initially. Um, so I started just researching. And I came across um, information about being a social entrepreneur through the Skoll Foundation and just I'm like, oh, my God, my people, I found my people. So it was very cool to hear about others who were, you know, social entrepreneurs and doing something good for our communities and our environment and, you know, being for profit. And so that really intrigued me. So I went down that path because I completely believe in the social entrepreneur model. I really do. So I just needed to figure out, OK, how can I help more than just one or two shelters and how I can make this a business. 
And so that's where I started researching textile recycling. You know, what is the life cycle of a bra and of clothes in general? So I really had to learn this new industry called textile recycling, which I, be honest with you, knew nothing about. Um, it's a very, like I, said, I would say, more a non-transparent industry. It's an industry a lot of people don't understand um, because you can't really just like this Google to figure out how I start a textile recycling industry. So I just joined associations, you know, tried to do a lot of networking, um, got on the board of association just so I can learn and get up to speed on how to um, start a, a textile recycling company. And uh, it's been interesting. It was, it was, it was, it's a tough industry. I'm not going to lie. And when you think about where we kind of um, land on the supply chain, you know, we're kind of at that end when retailers are getting rid of things, but they really don't kind of like make that known or tell the public what's happening in terms of how they're disposing of things. So that's always been tough. I, I have to say, I think that's the most challenging part of what I do is trying to convince retailers to not do landfill, burn, and cut, but let's figure out a more wow. responsible way to dispose of their overstock and returns and even st- having their um, customers, you know, recycle their old bras versus throwing them in the trash. That has been a, that's been a big challenge. But, you know, I think for me, thinking about my, why I do what I do, it was worth taking that challenge on. Amazing. Yeah. And it's, it's really fascinating, I think, to hear your story and, and, you know, the more I keep personally diving into the ideas of social enterprise and why people do what they do, there's often times where I get to see just my points of privilege, you know? So I remember, so I'm getting ready to celebrate my 15 year wedding anniversary. And that was the first time I ever costed out what bras cost. Like, why would I as a man do that? And then you go to the store and like, whoa, this is really expensive. You know, again, that's a point of privilege that I just have had my whole life until all of a sudden life changes and my worldview expands. So absolutely, what I love about what you are doing is you're you're tackling this from a corporate solution area. You're empowering people. Uh, you're you're entering into a space that's underwears could be potentially embarrassing absolutely. to talk about, but mm-hmm. but then on top of all of that. Um, not like that alone is a social enterprise, but I really am also curious. You've added one more layer. You employ individuals with disabilities. Tell us more about that program and your partnerships with other nonprofits as you're working on growing your social enterprise. Yeah. Thank Yeah. That I'm just going to tell you that is like, oh my God, the most exciting piece of what we do is kind of our operational piece. And, you know, start any company, as you probably know, it's tough finding good help, right? And particularly in our industry, um, it's very labor intensive. So it was really tough finding good help. So, you know, I'm like, what can we do to find a reliable source of people who can help us? So in terms of kind of how we work, just to give you background. So we'll get a truckload of things in from potentially a retailer, Right. All of that, a lot of times, has to be sorted through. And again, very labor intensive. So um, it comes in, um, big gay lords of things, and we have to sort through it because some of it can't be used, some of it can, and we need to sort it out. In our industry, everything's by grade, what we call, or kind of quality. So we found two organizations here in the Phoenix area that uh, work with individuals who have uh, various levels of disabilities. But again, they still can work. 
They still want to be productive uh, people in our communities and give back and, and make a living wage. So um, we partnered up with them and they, it's just been an unbelievable um, partnership. And I encourage many other people uh, in business to look at um, using those types of resources is because if there's simple things or repetitive things um, or things that people can be trained on, they are an amazing resource to have in terms of a workforce. That's amazing. And just the way that you're able to layer the impact that you're having, not only are you meeting a need in the community, but you're also meeting another need Absolutely. by um, employing individuals with disability. That's just fantastic. Yeah, love, it, is, it, is, it, love... has been, it has been amazing. And again, I encourage other entrepreneurs, particularly social entrepreneurs to, because um, again, that's that other layer that we're adding on in terms of yeah. giving people jobs. They can't work in a, in a normal work environment. And then I know, David, you asked about, you know, our partnerships with nonprofits. So, you know, key to us in terms of why we even started is that we were trying to support, um, you know, all these other nonprofits out there who um, were trying to help others, you know, in terms of getting them the resources they need, the essentials like bras, underwear, soap, but just the basics. So we have over, we've helped over 130 nonprofits over the years. Um, and they're in, see, about 29 states and eight countries. So they're all over. And they, they vary from just very small little nonprofits to, to larger ones also. So that has been amazing. And what has been, one of the things we've done over this past year, we've had some, some pretty big changes that have gone on is that we did start a nonprofit arm off of our company. And I think I remember when I started the conversation, I said, I did not want to do that when we first started, just because of everything that went along with starting a nonprofit. So we started a nonprofit arm called the Undy Chest. And there are a couple of reasons why we did that. Um, one of the reasons too, is we wanted to expand our outreach again, we're to the whole family. So again, we're working with men, but one of the big reasons too, is we wanted to start working with schools. Now, working with schools is not something that is a huge initiative, you guys. And there's no way I can take that on myself. I mean, we literally, when we um, put the word out that we were going to start working with schools, I mean, we literally had to cut off requests. It is that much demand in our school systems that I literally had to cut that request off. Um, so we, you know, we want to partner with others to help us. I mean, just it's it's help. And I'm talking about the United States, just to get basic things like underwear to our kids so they don't have to focus oh, wow. on, you know, not having underwear in school and focus on studying. And, you know, we want to help our wow. school nurses. So when we took, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to start that is because I needed that help. There's no way I can do that myself. One of the other reasons we did start a nonprofit arm, and you might hear this from other social entrepreneurs too, or is also is that when we are trying to partner with corporations, Many of them, the social entrepreneur model, and I think you guys have probably come across this, is still pretty, I say, new here in the United States, you know? And so when you try to explain what a social entrepreneur is to a corporation, they just don't get it. They're like, well, we only work with nonprofits. And, you know, my, my company is like, so you're telling me that in order to start a recycling program, you don't throw things in the landfill, you got to work with a nonprofit. So... I'm like, okay, I need to take that argument off the table somehow. And I'm like, so here's what I'm going to do. We have the nonprofit arm. So now you have no excuse on not throwing those things in the landfill. You can work through us and do a more responsible, have a more responsible solution for your overstock and returns. So that is, it's, it's been interesting. We've only been up for about a year now, 
But we actually have attracted some of those companies that I had approached before who wouldn't work with me, who will now work with me. So that is a big plus because we want to get people to stop throwing things in the landfill, as you probably know, um, that are usable. I mean, they're brand new, but they're going to landfill because, you know, they don't want anybody to have whatever. There's so many different reasons. But so that was one of the reasons that we did start that nonprofit arm. And uh, again, I'm not going to say it's easy to have both a for-profit and non-profit <laughs> arm. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> it is. I am learning a lot. Here's what I'll say, you guys, uh, about that whole nonprofit industry. It is very challenging. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, yeah. here's what in, in, something that I'll say, because because we're we're all friends here. Um, you know, <laughs> I have found that it is more competitive. Um, on the nonprofit side in terms of trying to find and work and get collab, have collaborations than it is on the for-profit side. And I think, wow. I don't know, it's because of just it's, the resources are so scarce, but, you know, yeah. trying to create, have collaboratives and say, let's work together. That has been really tough on the nonprofit side. Yeah. Dang. So I don't know if you've heard that before, but I really have really yeah. experienced that, uh, which you would think it'd so be the wild. opposite, but it's not. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, and I just think it's so wild, too, that corporations are like, well, we'd rather just dump stuff in a landfill yeah. if, if you're not a nonprofit. And I think that's that's definitely something at SCA that we're, we're trying to workshop that answer to is like, how do we get this movement to be wider spread? How do we get policy on the table so that people know what this is about and can trust that they're, you know, doing good by supporting these for-profit organizations Absolutely. and companies as well. Yeah. So it's just to hear your your experience with it um, just really emphasizes the need for that forward motion yes. and that movement building. Absolutely. It's just it's the yeah. education about the model that we're still doing good. And many nonprofits, I don't I, you've probably heard this too, um, many of them are trying to they start or or have kind of that social entrepreneur tag on because they're trying to figure out how to make money because grants are just right. kind of being dried up. So they're trying totally. to do both also. And I think, you know, it's interesting when people ask me, would you recommend a, a social a social enterprise versus a nonprofit? I'm like, if you can, I would go social enterprise, just to be real honest. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. you know, some of them just are really diehards like, we got to be a nonprofit. So, yeah. yeah. So my next question was going to be, mm-hmm. what do you wish you had known before you started? But really, in the last moments of our conversation, you know, again, I heard privilege as just an older person not thinking about youth struggling with underwear. So we talked about that. I heard there's this transition that you've made from also now incorporating a nonprofit arm to what you do. So I want to maybe specify the question a little bit more around that. I think a a number of for-profit social enterprises uh, we're all learning maybe a little bit more that perhaps a solution to some of the challenges we all face is to do a both and to do kind of this mm-hmm. hybrid model where mm-hmm. there's a for-profit entity and a non-profit entity. So being right. that you've just walked through it and even some of the things that you just said, what do you wish you had known before you began the non-profit entity of your organization? Oh, good question. Before the... Um... You know, I think I would have, you know, you know, I really took time to think through it took many years to think through about the nonprofit entity. And one of the things that I think now just a year into it, I think one of the things that 
I would probably pull back on is I put a lot of effort into, you know, we're like getting the website up. I think I, I would have thought about the nonprofit a little bit more as a tool. And I'll, what I mean by that is that that's really, you know, the bra recyclers is my baby. That's the main thing. And really what I, I, I need to use the nonprofit for is that tool. Like if I'm talking to a corporation, that's really like if they're like, nope, we can't work with you because you're a social entrepreneur or social, social enterprise, then that's just here's the other tool that we have. So really, more, I think more emphasizing that uh, as a nonprofit being the tool and, and positioning it more in that way. Uh, we do that now, but I think even more so I would have done that as I went out and started talking to people more that we have this arm of the nonprofit is kind of more of, of, of a tool that if we can't work with you via our social enterprise, here's our, our nonprofit arm. So, and that's just, again, just through learning and just talking and realizing how I should position uh, the nonprofit arm, because some people get confused that we have both. And that's, uh, it's still tricky, but you know, it, it, it's, it's working. I'm learning as, as I go. I think the other thing too that was really good is that because I had the social enterprise, it really allowed me to think about the nonprofit model in terms of how we can make that self-sustaining. So I think that was great to be able to start with the social enterprise because I was taking some of those principles. And then when we started the nonprofit, like, okay, we need to figure out how to make this more self-sustaining also. And that is, I think, what was that came from just being a social entrepreneur all these years uh, to be able to do that. Um, I think also some great things I've learned from over the years is that data is king. So as we have grown as social entrepreneurs and we're working with corporations, one of the things they're looking for is data. You know, so we've, you know, we've been around for a while. So we're able to now gather information, gather data around, like, for example, our recyclers and what they're saying and ask questions and now be able to turn that into a revenue source instead of just giving the corporations data about what's going on and how much they've recycled. We're able to use that and, you know, say, if you want that data, then you'll need to pay us a fee. And so we're also taking that same model on the on the nonprofit side too. Again, we're collecting that data. If you want that data, you, you're going to have to pay us or make a donation for that data. That's awesome because I think so, there's a lot of instances of you know socially conscious businesses and social enterprises and nonprofits who don't know that they can charge for that information and that value Absolutely. that they provide, and so they just end up giving it away for free. Um, so I. It's awesome that you've tapped into that as uh, an additional revenue stream. That's really powerful. Yeah, and I think also, too, what's helped is that, you know, as I think, David, you even said this, that we have, you know, we, we have that social impact side, but we also have that environmental side. And as you know, many companies nowadays are trying to figure out how to be more sustainable and, you know, show that they're um helping the environment and our, our earth. But we also know there's a lot of greenwashing out there too. So we're trying to be able to provide them with results that are, that they can stand on. And so we have a, a scorecard that we give them. So when they recycle with us or have their customers recycle with us, we're able to play back um, that information in terms of environmentally, what does that mean? Um, to them. So I think that that really helps. And I think also that kind of comes from my background of being in, you know, IT for so long, 
you know, figuring out how to systematically, you know, collect data. So I, I think that was another good thing. When I started the nonprofit, I started off with that right away. I'm like, we got to make sure we put the systems in place to collect that data. So right off from the beginning. Oh, that's smart. I'm sure, yeah, whoever's listening to that could definitely benefit from that tidbit. Yeah, don't wait. Don't Start collecting your data right away. Absolutely. And you'll (laughs) make that investment in technology early on. So I think that was a big learning for me, too, in terms of, you know, I started with the the broader side because we did have some systems, but I wasn't collecting the data like I should have initially. So now with the nonprofit side, boom, we're starting that right away. So we we start out with collecting that data right away. So that's key. Make an investment early on in your technology, um, whatever you're going to use. Amazing. Wow. Well, Elaine, this has been just an absolutely inspiring, powerful, insightful conversation with you. And we're just so grateful for you coming on and sharing your story and your expertise and your all, all like the trial and error parts of it too, all the things that you figured out. Like it's really amazing. You really have just pressed on forward and, you know, yeah. encountered obstacles and, and solved through them. And, and that's just that perseverance too is amazing. And there's been a lot of challenges, but you're right. We'll, we'll, we're, we're getting through them. And there's been a lot of pivots. You know, COVID was a big pivot, I think, for everybody. And that was it was oh, a pivot sure. for us, too. So but we kind of, you know, we worked through it and we're we're still here. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's incredible. So I would love to hear from you, like for our listeners who want to get involved, like how can we support the work that you're doing? How can we get involved? Oh, absolutely. So, of course, you know, for uh, women, but now men too. Uh, you know, we definitely want you to, um, you know, really look at things you have in your drawers, you know, gently use bras, new bras, recycle those. Don't keep them in the drawers anymore. Um, if you don't have things like that, we have, you know, purchasing, you know, when you're out purchasing, buying underwear or at the store, if you see things that, you know, are on sale, we, you know, purchase those too. And now the really great part is that we do, if you, so, cause some people are like, we just want, we need a tax deduction. We have that for you. We have that option. So, um, you know, I really think also that, and this is something I say to people, is that if we really want to make a change and push um, kind of more of that circular economy and getting our retailers to be more accountable as consumers, we we can help that. You know, we can shop and spend our money where we know that the, you know, where they're taking care of our community and our planet. So we can do that. We can ask them what they're doing. Um, they should be sharing that. So we can choose where we spend our money um, because, you know, the, a lot of the stuff is going into landfill. As we know, with the whole fast fashion movement, we're producing way too much. So we can make some choices ourselves as consumers, you know, um, to kind of change that trajectory of moving to a more of a circular economy. So and you can also get involved. We absolutely need the support on the UNDHS side in terms of mm-hmm. um, funding for particularly our school program. It's called the Everyone Deserves Underwear Program. Because uh, we'll be expanding our schools to 12 next year. And we always need, they are in such demand. Like I said, we've had to cut that faucet off in terms of wow. we can't take any more requests just because we don't have enough, you know, inventory and resources um, to, to give everything that they need. So, but, so those, those are ways they can help. So go to our website, thebrarecyclers.com and you can, you know, fill out the form and do the recycle. And then the undychest.org is our nonprofit arm. I love it. Amazing. Phenomenal. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you guys. We could talk yes. forever. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I could. I have a million more questions. <laughs> yeah, well, part two, we'll, we'll get on the books here soon. So. Oh, <laughs> All well, right. Thank well, you. thanks again, Elaine, and uh, just such a pleasure. And congratulations on your success and oh, continued uh, efforts moving ahead. Like, just what an important need that's uh, unspoken, I think, in many circles. So, really Absolutely. appreciate your work. We're, we're trying to unmute this conversation and, and just get everybody yeah. talking about it is what we're trying to do. Yeah, perfect. Amazing. Thanks, Elaine. Thank you.